0: So there's an ATP 500-level uh, tournament event at Barcelona this week, and it's been five years now since I was at said event watching Rafael Nadal take out Kanish Shikori 6 7-5 in the Barcelona Open final, and that was... 2016 was a year where rafa was kind of struggling he hadn't won an event in a while so that was um, even though it wasn't like a master's title or a, or a major title uh it was still very important to rafa to win that event i mean heck he's won barcelona 11 times in his career the center court at the tournament is named uh, rafael nadal court so yeah, I mean, he his impact has been uh, solidified there at that tournament and pretty much every big clay court tournament uh, in that there's been in recent history. Uh, but yeah, five years later, in the third round of the 2021 tournament, you had Rafael Nadal playing Kane again, and this time Rafa wins 6-0, 2-6, 6-2. So we're at the quarterfinal stage, and you have Rafael Nadal now playing Cameron Nori, who's, unseated in this draw from great Britain and I'm thinking this should be an easy match. I actually think so I'm recording right now and these guys are actually playing right now. Yeah. Rafa's already up a break in the first set. So he should be winning this match fairly easily, but I I was thinking that, you know, it could have been a little bit tougher. I mean, I guess we'll have to see how the second set goes. I think Rafa has the first set in hand, but um, yeah, he had against, I'm pretty sure this player was world 111 that he played in the in his first match and he that went to three sets and then he played Nishikori obviously in in the his second match or the third round match and that went to three sets as well so kind of a bumpy start at, at the start of this tournament but I think he's he's getting into form now um, trying to lift his 12th Barcelona Open trophy um and and interesting uh, the quarterfinal match as well is Diego Schwartzman of Argentina and Pablo Carrena Busta of Spain. This is the four and six seed matchup in the quarterfinals here, and it's really a coin flip for me. I guess I favor Schwartzman a little bit because just a little bit more, I guess, reliable. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's going to be a really close th- uh, battle there. Um, Carrena Busta kind of fell off a little bit the the last couple years, but he's making his way back, and uh, yeah, both. Both really good on clay, so it it would be an entertaining match to watch. Uh, Two matches that I finished up. This was at the bottom half of the draw, so so the other two quarterfinal matchups you had Yannick Sinner, uh, the young Italian phenom, 19 years old, already up into the top 20, uh, playing Andre Rublev, uh, who's yeah top eight in the world now, uh, is put has strung together. very consistent and string together uh, very good results in tournaments. And Yannick Sinner, I, you know, I kind of saw this one coming. I, I felt like um, obviously Rublev has been strong. He made it to the Monte Carlo Masters Finals last week. But uh, Yannick Sinner, not surprised that he won this. Uh, he won a straight set, 6-2, 7-6. Uh, the tiebreaker was 8-6 uh, this morning in Barcelona. So he'll go on to play uh, Stefano Cispatas. So we're not going to see a Cispatas rublev rematch from Monte Carlo last week in the semifinals of Barcelona this week. Um, I guess that kind of tells you how deep this draw is. I mean, when you have the two finalists in, in last week's Masters tournament playing, well, potentially we're going to play in the semifinals. Uh, yeah, so it tells you how competitive it is. But, um, yeah, uh, Cispatas played Felix Auger-Aliassime from Canada. And 6 3, 6 3 was the score. a score. Pretty routine victory for um, the player from Greece there in Sispatas. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, that's going to be a really good semifinal match. And then, even uh, I would think Nadal is obviously going to win his quarterfinal match. So, Nadal versus Schwartzman or Karina Busta, I think Nadal versus Schwartzman may be a little bit more entertaining but um still very good semi-final matches for sure and the thing i want to touch on regarding uh felix Olger seem is that he's getting coached by tony nadal and if you're like okay is, are these nadals the same are they relatives that's absolutely correct and i think during Nadal's dolls like uh, i guess um Peak. I mean, he's still kind of at his peak in his career, but uh, back when the the Nadal Federer rivalry was, yeah, the the most talked about thing in tennis. Um, Uncle Tony was Rafael Nadal's coach and was his coach since he started playing tennis back as a kid, and now. The Nadal's coach is Carlos Moyo, who's a former world number one player from Spain. Uh, he took over the coaching duties because obviously uh, Tony Nadal was getting a little bit older. But Tony Nadal is back in the coaching box, this time coaching Felix Auger-Aliassime. I don't know if it's just for the clay court season or if it's more of a permanent thing for all the tournaments. I guess we'll have to find out there. But, uh, yeah, it, it's very, very interesting <laughs> that Uncle Tony is not in Rafael Nadal's box coaching him uh, obviously still is going to show support for Rafa but he's out there helping a younger talent in Felix Ogier, Ali aliassime So very interesting that that is going on and hopefully it leads to better success for for Ogier, Ali aliassime I mean he's he's it's not like he's bad. He's still top 20 in the world right now, I believe. Uh so yeah, nothing nothing to be ashamed of, but I think Uncle Tony can definitely be that coach to get him to the next level, no doubt. And there's another event that's going on in uh, Belgrade, Serbia. And Novak Djokovic, world number one, is playing in that event because it's obviously home country. And, uh, yeah, just a 250 event. And it seems pretty obvious, but I expect him to to win because I think the two toughest opponents he'll have left is Aslan Karasev. And um, as I mentioned before, Karasev was the the Russian player who made that deep run uh, to the semifinals before losing to Djokovic in the Australian Open. And he kind of, I guess, held serve in a way um, and was able to win a 250 event in Dubai. So so that's why Karasev is now a top 30 player out of nowhere, was struggling for the first, at least probably six or seven years of his career, but now he's, he's finally making it to the big stage. And then I think the two seed in the tournament is world number 10, Matteo Berrettini of Italy. And I just don't see him putting up a good enough fight against Novak to where, uh, to where Novak loses. But who knows? I, it's just tough for me to, um, to think that Novak will lose the, uh, the, his home tournament there in, uh, in Belgrade. The Yankees get a win versus the Cleveland Indians. It was six to three. They were zero and seven this season when they were down by three plus runs. Now it's one and seven, so able to get rid of that bug, and they are now better than the Tigers and Twins. So moving up in the American League, still in last place in the AL East, but uh, still climbing up. So that's good. So that's a win there. Bruins took out the Sabers five to one remember what i said on i think this was monday the bruins were set to play the sabers five times they've they've um taken care of two there's three more to go and they've already gotten the max they can is, is four points from those games and i said there had to be probably a minimum of six to seven points gained in those uh in those five matchups, so the max you could have gotten out of those five matchups, if you win all of them, is 10, because a win counts as two points towards your standings, Uh, so yeah, I was thinking, minimum six to seven points, you gotta get against the Sabres, who are one of the worst teams in the league, so hopefully, you got three more to go, you got one tonight, and then I think end of April, early May, you got two more games, so those are, if they get all Ten of those points out of those games, and that is ideal because that puts that will put them really close to contending for that one seat in the Eastern in the uh, Eastern division there. So, so that's what we got to look for. They also play New Jersey, who uh, is also not that great in the East division. Uh, another another two times. So look, they'll look to gain uh, four points from from those matchups as well. And then the Celtics, they played the second place in the western conference phoenix suns won 99 to 86 kemba walker 32 points that is great to see uh what else happened they only held devin booker to 15 that's great jabari parker i i'm gonna i'm gonna keep saying it japari parker is gonna make an impact he's gonna live out his contract get an extension after two years um japari parker to the moon six points four rebounds four assists in 15 minutes uh an impact role player that the celtics will love to have for a while and now the celtics play the Brooklyn Nets tonight i mean bring it on brooklyn let's go i'm ready i don't even know who the hell's playing for them um the durant and Hart, i think are both out it's just kyrie right i don't even know um it's it's so that those three have only played together seven times so uh but yeah they're still doing pretty good (laughs) given given that fact um hopefully they don't well i mean i i don't wish injury but but hopefully they're not healthy for the sake of the celtics but uh, i guess we'll find out but anyway So the Yankees win, the Bruins win, and the Celtics win. Cue the music. Miami heat anthem. Uh it's it's war at this point between the Celtics and the Heat after last year's Eastern Conference Finals. Uh so uh, I'm stealing everything. Uh, the Heat are what, one game back currently at the Celtics. The Celtics are in sixth place in the Eastern Conference, uh, 7 games back at the 76ers and the Heat are in that first play in spot at the 7 seed, uh 8 games back. So Uh, but Celtics fans got to look forward here. You got the Knicks and the Hawks ahead of them. And speaking of the Hawks, I I think um, this probably flies over people's heads. They're not following it, um, it closely, but the Hawks since firing their head coach, Lloyd Pierce on March 2nd at the time, they were 14 and 20. They were the 11th seed in the Eastern conference. So, just outside of that 10 seed which would be the final play in spot. So since that time, since March 1st or March 2nd, uh the Hawks are now 18 and 7 in that span and they've moved up to being tied with the Celtics for the 5th seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, so it's I mean you got to give respect to and this is kind of funny because he was receiving criticism like crazy after this um, when he replaced uh, Lloyd Pierce with Nate McMillan was that and I don't think even Nate McMillan the the the, the current head coach the interim head coach I guess um, I don't know if he even wanted this job he wanted Lloyd Pier- Pierce to still be the coach but Travis um, I think it's Schlenk 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 Travis Schlink. Okay. Anyway, um, I, he's GM of the year in in my opinion. I mean, if you make that decision on on Lloyd Pierce, who's a, who's hasn't been a coach in the organization for a long time, and you decide to fire him and move on to Nate McMillan, and after this turnaround, going from fourteen and twenty to now eighteen and and seven the last twenty five games, that is pretty that was a bold decision and it's worked out pretty dang well to where you're not even, you go from out of the playoffs and you're right. Currently you're avoiding a playing game to either play likely the 76ers or the Mets, Um And yeah, it's, it's crazy. Now you're, now you're looking potentially at getting the, getting a home playoff series when the playoffs actually start after the playing games. Um, obviously I hope the Celtics got the four seed heck even, even, I guess, try to get Milwaukee at the three C I doubt it's going to happen, but uh, yeah, it's just um, a remarkable turnaround by the Atlanta Hawks. A team that I mentioned, I think this was also on Monday with the Washington wizards and how I thought that they could be climbing into at least a playing spot in the Eastern Conference uh, because of my respect of Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, and they are in the 10 seed spot. So they have, um, they would have the playing games to try to get into the top eight seeds to try to officially get into the playoffs, yada yada. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm telling you guys, Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, dangerous. Don't want to see them. Because uh, in especially in a, like if you have a, the one game play-in sample there, uh, maybe not in a best seven series. Once we get to the, the real playoffs, but uh, that they could they could spoil the party for some of those the seven and eight teams there. Like right now, it would currently be Miami and the Charlotte Hornets. So um, so yeah, that the, <laughs> I guess we could we could see because Russell Westbrook triple double could do it any night and that he could be a have a big impact on games and then bradley beal obviously with his scoring so yeah just watch out for the wizards i'm telling you just watch out for them so tom brady called the new nfl numbers rules dumb pretty much and so, they just um, expanded the range uh, in which certain positional players can have a number of. So, quarterbacks, punters, place kick- kickers are 1 through 19. Defensive backs, 1 through 49. Uh, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, 1 through 49, and then 80 through 89. Offensive linemen, 50 through 79. Defensive linemen, 50 through 79, and then 90 through 99 linebackers one through 59 and then 90 through 99 so a much more expanded thing and the criticism that brady had of it is when it comes to reading defenses usually you can tell which um uh, players say like the middle linebacker based on their number and stuff like that now when you're dealing with potentially a, a what we got we got a potentially a cornerback who has the number one or something like that uh that could that could throw things off or a linebacker has the number one or whatever like apparently brady says he could get thrown off by that and when it comes to reading um the defenses beforehand but uh, i mean everybody's gonna be dealing with it so if this is the thing that ends Tom brady's career that would be pretty surprising uh makes them fall off the cliff finally because the numbers are different on the defense and i would be absolutely shocked but uh yeah who who knows who knows what makes what makes players just like spaz out and and not do as well <laughs> there was a three round mock draft with espn experts mel kuiper jr and tom mcshea and they alternated picks and i think if they proposed a trade then the pick went back to say so say kuiper proposed a trade uh, it would go to mcshay um that would be technically kuiper's pick or, or or whatever it may be so i haven't really looked at this and i'll just kind of do an instant reaction i guess i'm expecting lawrence and wilson to be the top two and that's definitely the case so obviously trevor lawrence clemson quarterback going to jacksonville everybody is kind of predicting that then you have zach wilson of the jets he seems like the consensus number two at this point he's definitely grown into that and now the thing that gets interesting is what is going to happen at three what quarterback Seems very likely the 49ers are going quarterback, so which one? And here, Mel Kuyper has Justin Fields from Ohio State being third overall. And then you have, obviously goes back to Mache, Kyle Pitts to Atlanta. Tight end there. People are saying Pitts is the best pass catcher, even though he's a tight end out of every team. So, it, it I mean, yeah, it, it seems Kyle Pitts is like bound to be a Hall of Famer once his career's over uh obviously a long way to go but uh generational talent for kyle pitts and cincinnati bagels Seawell out of oregon the offensive tackle makes a lot of sense to me Uh, the the wide receivers get interesting it seems recently it seems like jamar chase of lsu is 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 separating himself from the two alabama receivers in jalen waddle and Devontae smith and i I guess it would be the case. I mean, if if Kyle Pitts happens to fall down to number six, I think Miami will take him. No doubt. Uh, I. It's really up to Atlanta if they want to get a backup um, early on for uh, Matt Ryan once Matt Ryan retires. And and yeah, and Atlanta gets a quarterback that develops behind him for a couple years. And I think this was actually the oh, it looks like it was the only trade. That was proposed out of, and this was by Kuiper. Oh, no, no, no. This was by, oh, it was by Kuiper. Okay. So I guess ignore the thing that I said about them alternating. I think Kuiper pro- projected the trade and they also made the pick. Okay. Anyway, so this has New England trading with Detroit for the seventh overall pick. And I'm assuming Detroit would get. New England's 15th, obviously, and then their second round pick as well. Um, and then whatever else is part of it. But they have New England trading up to seven. And this is I don't agree with this, but they have them trading up to seven and getting Mac Jones of Alabama. I think personally for me, Mac Jones is a player that you just kind of like wait and, and see what happens. Maybe move up to like 11 or 12 with the the Giants or, or the Eagles. Uh I don't think, I think Dallas wants to hold strong at 10. Um, but yeah, train up to seven for Mac Jones seems a little, little bit of a push. But if it means getting your next franchise guy, then I guess New England is, is probably down to do whatever. And, now this is now this is interesting at number eight with Rashawn Slater with Carolina. You would think maybe Carolina gets another quarterback, even though they traded for Sam Darnold. I think non-quarterback is probably the smartest choice, and picking Rashawn Slater, the the tackle out of Northwestern, is ideal because a lot of people or more people than I would think are rating Slater higher than Seawell from Oregon and and Earlier on in in the process, you would not think that to be the case, but top draft experts like Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network has Slater going over Seawell in in his big boards or whatever it may be. So I think people shouldn't really doubt Slater. Like Slater, like um, McShay picked is a top ten talent in this draft. Uh, Denver Broncos picking Trey Lance of North Dakota State. It's interesting there. I, it's really a toss-up if Denver really wants to go for quarterback or, or get like a defensive guy like Patrick Sertan, who it looks like McShay has Dallas Cowboys taking. Uh, it, it's really just how if they think <laughs> Drew Locke is a long-term answer. I mean, to me, I don't think he is. But uh, But, yeah, it's really a matter of if you want to draft for the now or draft for the later for the Denver Broncos and then the giants here you have Devonte smith getting taken and then right after him with the eagles jalen waddle that makes sense to me both uh, teams in the need of, of pass catchers there and daniel jones adding smith and then having galladay that should really uh, make for a good opportunity for for daniel jones to be oppressive and um it's yeah it's just really a matter of him having to execute for the giants uh chargers this one seems pretty um pretty familiar like having dara shaw be taken the offensive tackle out of virginia tech i've seen that a decent amount um i've also seen vera tucker the offensive tackle guard out of usc uh getting taken by minnesota um and then looking at, yeah, Mika Parsons, I think when New, if New England was at 15, that was a popular destination too, having Park and, uh, Parsons go to New England at 15. Uh, but the Lions getting him as well and, and getting a, additional draft capital from New England based on the trade in this draft, in this mock draft, uh, it, it would be a smart move. And then let's see. I think I'll stop after reviewing all of them after this 16th pick here but jc horn cornerback out of south carolina uh, he seems uh like he could be a top 10 pick could be the co- top cornerback coming out of this draft going to either denver or dallas uh, i think yeah mcshay here as certain going there and then mcshay had arizona taking horn so it it's really just how teams evaluate certain players that could determine where these guys fall. But, yeah, I've, I've heard a lot that J.C. Horn is the top cornerback in this draft ahead of Patrick Sertan of Alabama. But, like I said, we'll have to see, and then we'll just have to see how certain teams evaluate certain players. Um, let me just scroll through here and see any notables. Um Elijah Moore going to Tennessee. That would be kind of cool to see the. Because uh, you have uh, right now um, A.J. Brown, who's an all miss wide receiver for Tennessee. And then you have Elijah Moore, another all miss wide receiver. But that would be uh, a, co- a cool pairing there. And um, let's see. Najee Harris, Alabama running back, going to Pittsburgh. I really think Pittsburgh should focus on offensive line. But I guess if Najee Harris is there, James Conner just went to. Arizona, I don't know if the people behind Connor are going to be sufficient enough to to make an impact for Steelers in the running game. Najee Harris would definitely do that. Let's see what else. You got uh Tadarius Coney going to Jacksonville, so that would be a, a nice wide receiver for Trevor Lawrence to have early on there. Uh, you had Tony and obviously Kyle Pitts, two awesome uh, receiving threats that the Florida quarterback, Kyle Trask could throw to and Trask is probably gonna be a second or third rounder in this draft. I don't know if it's with the because of the help of Tony and uh and Pitts, but you could also be saying the same for for Mac Jones, how he had Waddle and, and Najee Harris and, and Devonta Smith and all those weapons too. But um but yeah, good pick by Jacksonville there. I like that. Uh yeah, this is like what this is really late round wide receiver heavy. I don't think I've seen a, draft, a mock draft this wide receiver heavy to where you have uh, obviously Chase Smith and uh, Waddle going in the top, probably the top 15, top 12. And then, but you have Elijah Moore, like I said, Ole Miss going 22. T- uh, Tony going to Jacksonville 25. Terrence Marshall of LSU going to 27 to Baltimore. Bateman from Minnesota 28 to New Orleans so uh, I I don't think I've seen that many wide receivers go in the first round and then um, if you're looking in like second round I mean ETN running back from Clemson there, uh, very good pick by Jacksonville if they go offensive heavy I still think they need some help with their defense but uh, it it seems like a lot of experts are, are pushing more towards an offensive heavy draft for Jacksonville and if you have lawrence etn and then tony at wide receiver i mean that's that's a pretty good first (laughs) three picks or at least in from a from a fan perspective i i think that would be kind of what you want um and then i'm trying to scroll up here i think asante samuel jr maybe it's just because of the name and asante samuel's uh contributions to the patriots but uh McShea has denver at 40 taking the cornerback out of florida state there and uh, i just i don't know i i, I think even doing it's just testing out some of my mock drafts i think i've had samuel in the go in the first round but i think real more realistically early second is, is probably the better option there let's see what else Yeah, I think that's what I got. I do I do like Alex Leatherwood as well. And if the Pittsburgh Steelers are able to get him at fifty-five, that's a steal. Uh being, yeah, the offensive tackle or offensive guard that they need in that offense. Leatherwood from Alabama, another good one. And right after that, at fifty six, Gregory Rousseau, who's had some some criticism, um, I think in in certain reports, uh, I thought Rousseau would be a top like 20 pick but he's falling. if he falls down whoever gets him in the second round and in this case it would be Seattle according to Mcshay I mean that's a steal if you get Rousseau in the mid second round I think um and yeah that's 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 all I'll do for for that but um pretty interesting I was like I said I was surprised by how wide receiver heavy it was um and I don't necessarily like the New England trade up for Mac Jones but uh, I guess we'll see here less than a week away from the, from the draft starting. So it'll be very, very fun to watch. Like every year, it's always fun to watch to see who your, who your team drafts and, um, and see what surprises um, uh, happen to turn out um, based on just what you've seen and what you heard from all the experts and, and all the opinions around there. So, all right, that's all I got. And, yeah, Monday.